Mic check, mic check. Where the f is my check? You now tuned in to do rags and boat shoes. Go ahead and get this turned down. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy A Double, and you're now tuned in to episode 132 of Do Rags and Boat Shoes. Uh, shout out to everybody who uh, fucked with the last two episodes, episodes 130 and 131. Thank you so much for uh, listening, liking, and sharing it. Thank you for the positive feedback from the Facebook messages and emails. I greatly appreciate that. And again, sorry for the hiatus, but we're here and we're rocking. And um, I guess we got to say rest in peace to Aretha Franklin. We just lost her. Uh, you know, I was wishing her some well wishes on the last episode and hopefully, hopefully, hoping we didn't lose her, but we did. Um, yeah, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And fuck Fox News for uh, they posted up a picture, I think, of Patti LaBelle and Gladys Knight. I can't remember uh, one of them uh, sisters they posted in uh, when they were saying rest in peace. And they did that on purpose. They did that shit on purpose. It's just disgusting. Whatever little jab or dart they can throw at a non-white group, they will do it. And especially black folks, they love fucking with us. They really do because they know that a um, a uh, planned out blunder like that will gain so much attention online and get them clicks and exposure. So that's all that that happened with that. And um, speaking of R&B singers, uh, me and the wife this just, past, just this past weekend went and seen the Whitney documentary. It finally came to Omaha. And, uh, you know, it took forever. We was excited for this movie since about May or June. It was supposed to come out in July. And uh, we kept on calling uh, Film Streams, which is our independent um, uh, film uh, movie uh, theaters here. We got two of them. And we kept on calling, and they finally gave us a release date because they did have it up on their facebook page and i'm just like okay we gonna we in there opening night to go see it because we both love whitney houston and uh yeah and then it just they said the studio didn't send them a copy and they just pushed it back and then you know finally came out the end of august which is some bullshit but you know i didn't learn too much about whitney um that i didn't know me and the wife but it was dope to see uh, all of those home movies and behind the scenes footage um i didn't like the way the film ended you know it just kind of ended on a dark note talking about you know the death of uh, bobby christina may she rest in peace um and it just kind of took a hard dive when it started talking about her uh, drug use and you know when she passed and then it goes into the death of her daughter may she rest in peace both of them and uh then it just kind of ended it was just like wait what we can't end on a high note like celebrating her life and her music and how it continues to inspire uh, musicians all over the world um, but it was damn good um, there was a part I didn't like though they were interviewing one of her brothers and uh, them niggas was talking about how they used to just get fucked up and how Bobby Brown couldn't hang with them because they were getting fucked up so much on drugs and shit and I was just like man your sister 
die from this shit? Like, how are you just like bragging about it and remembering how y'all used to outsmoke Bobby and all this other shit? Like, it was that that fucked with me a little bit just to see, you know, them niggas just kind of sit up there and feel like they was bragging. And one of the brothers were the little light skinned chunky one. He was bragging about it, uh, about what was going on, you know, behind the scenes when they were, you know. Fucking with Coke and fucking with that uh, Mary Jane. But it's a good documentary. Um, if I would rate it, I'd probably give it a 7 out of 10 just because of how uh, the dark turned. But those behind the scenes, uh, uh, like those home movies and shit, uh, you know, it was showing uh, Whitney and Robin and Sissy, uh, her mama, and stuff like that. And there was one scene where, and let me back up a little bit. I'm going to have to say fuck Al Sharpton. On everything I love, fuck that nigga, man. <laughs> That's on everything. Like when she came out, Whitney was came out, you know, singing pop songs, popular songs like that, and and he led a crusade of calling her Whitey Houston, and it fucked with Whitney so much. He was outside of her hotel room when she was in New York doing a press run. This this uh motherfucker out here with a goddamn perm. Got his hair slicked back, got a fucking conk, still got one to this day. Is standing outside, got the nerve to be calling Whitney Houston Whitey Houston. That's fucked up. And I didn't know that, um, I think it was at the, what was it, Soul Train Awards or the American Music Awards, one of those award shows, she was getting booed by black folks because of the music that she was putting out with her debut album. I was just like, man, I fucks with, I wanna dance with somebody. I fucks with that tough. Like, super duper tough. I be having that shit bumping in my work truck when I'm on my route. And I be singing that shit to the top of my lungs. And But yeah, man, fuck that nigga. It was like, how you out here with a perm and you calling somebody whitey? Like, you got a whole ass conk in your hair just for me. And you calling somebody whitey. Man, fuck that nigga. But uh, anyways, uh, there was one scene where uh, Sissy was in the... It was Sissy, Robin, and Whitney. And... Um, and Sissy was uh, kind of consoling Whitney because Whitney was tight. She was mad about that shit. You know, I think he was kind of getting to her, you know, everybody calling her white and all this other shit. And then uh, Paul Abdul was out and Janet was out. And uh, and uh, they just ripped into Paula Abdul and Janet, how she's singing off key. And then talking about how Janet has all these, like, I think this was during Rhythm Nation. It might have been around that time, like, you're having all this choreographed dancing and all this other shit. And Sissy was just keeping it 100 and talking about, <laughs> it's just like, you got the voice. You don't need all that other shit, you know, all that dancing and the theatrics and all that other shit. I was like, that's some cold shit. But it's true. Whitney did have a voice straight from the heavens, though, compared to these other singers. Um, but it just, it, it, it let me... It led me to believe that A&Rs need to get back in the goddamn church and start looking for those singers there instead of looking for, you know, these uh, these these women out here who can barely carry a note, but they cute. You know what I'm saying? That they can, you know, throw all this this um, auto correction, pitch correction on them. And they're just like, oh, well, she's sexy and she's cute and she can dance. You know, you just like, man, for real. Like, we need somebody that can just blow us away. I know we got, like, the Jasmine Sullivans out here. We got her. Um, and they really need to be brought to the forefront. Uh, and, uh, and there's a many more, but they're just so not mainstream. They're not pushed to the front. 
and we're just living in that era where we appreciate not us but the majority and who that's mainly who run these uh record labels the dominant society love you know seeing a white face doing traditional uh rhythm and blues r&b classic soul music you know but we us black folks we need to you know, stop looking at people who out here, you know, singing and dancing, who can barely sing, but they can dance their ass off and got a catchy beat. And we need to actually start, you know, appreciating vocalists and pushing them to the forefront. We can make every fucking goofy ass little dance go viral and go to the mainstream, but we ain't celebrating traditional R&B singers. You know what I'm saying? It's just like with hip hop right now, it's just we're living in that trap era. Like the South been had the been had a hold of hip-hop for 20 years now since master p shot to the top in 98 97 98 so it's been 20 years that the south has been controlling hip-hop and we're living right now in the era of where this it's all about the producer you know uh, a simple beat and a catchy chorus you know that's what it's all about lyrics just go out the fucking window just whoop gone but you know, I'm going off on a tangent. I love music to death. Um, you know, one of my dream jobs is to actually be, you know, just making money off of hip hop, you know, just being a hip hop journalist or, you know, just even hosting a show or something like that. But I got some got some things in the works that I'm working on and I ain't going to elaborate too much, but it's time to start getting paid off of what I do best. Um, but it, let me chill on going on this rant. But y'all really go see that Whitney documentary, man. It, it is dope. Um, you're going to learn a lot if you didn't know too much about Whitney Houston. If you wasn't like no super fan like me and the wife. But you'll learn a lot. And uh, it's definitely worth, you know, your $10 to go see that. Um, let's see what else going on. Let's start with that good old Summer Jam screen. Uh, it looks like. We got weed killer in our cereal, right? The active ingredient, uh, what is it, glyphosate, all right? USA Today is reporting uh, that oat-based cereals and other breakfast foods have tested high for that carcinogen, uh, glyphosate. You know, this is the main ingredient in the Roundup pesticide. Now, remember last week I talked briefly about that brother who won that uh, lawsuit against Monsanto who makes Roundup. And, uh, about how it, you know, uh, is cancer causing. And so uh, that's what we're looking at right now. So USA Today, they uh, looked at a study by EWG and about, it was about children's health and their food. And then like one of the foods or breakfast foods, oat-based, is uh, Lucky Charms. And I fuck with Lucky Charms the wrong way. And this is, uh, you know, this they have a high rate of that glyphosate and um, and it, what was amazing to me is that some of those oats, like uh, oatmeal and shit like that, had it in there. And uh, a lot of those claim to be organic. So how is it organic and you got, you know, high concentrations of this carcinogen, you know, glyphosate, glyphosate, and, uh, which is wild to me. I used to work in a food warehouse uh, when I was saving up for the house. Trash. I used to work in this food warehouse and we used to drive around on these electronic pallet jacks that you could stand on and, you know, you had to throttle on the handle forward and back and shit like that. And we would put an empty pallet on it and then you would have to go around to the warehouse. You could wear a headset 
And oh, it was oh that ro robotic voice is still in my nightmares. But a robot would tell you which spot to go to, and then how many of the strawberries. I was I was always in wet produce and regular produce, so I always was picking like you know cabbage, bananas, um, just any type of produce. Kiwis, potatoes sucked, cabbage sucked, and I worked there doing fucking. Uh, uh, in March during St. Patty's Day and every fucking order I got was because uh, the cabbages came in these big ass wet cases it was like wet cardboard cases and the cabbage would fall out at the bottom if you picked it up the wrong way and uh, you were timed it, it was decent money it was uh, almost 15 bucks an hour but I was working there part time and on top of that you got a $125 uh, bonus every week for hitting your numbers so I was hit my hit my numbers and get that bonus, but so when I worked there uh, and it was during that time, I only worked there for oh man maybe six months or something like that just to stack enough bread to you know keep adding to my house fund uh, while I was doing trash and the trash money pretty much you know kept the lights on kept you know my apartment my half of the rent and stuff like that, but and uh, but yeah so picking up. And it was they would come in 50 pound cases, the cabbage would. And, you know, every order I had, it was just be like, oh, take 30 of the red cabbages or 30 of the regular cabbages. So you built this whole fucking palette in like a weave pattern and build it straight up as high as you could. And then you would drop it in front of a shrink wrap machine that would wrap it automatically. Then you would slap a sticker on it and then, you know, shove it in front of a door for uh, somebody to load it up and take it. But we had some organic foods, too. And so we had these bananas that was organic and non-organic. And the only difference was the non-organic bananas, they would spray some kind of chemical on it to make them age faster. Because when they would come in from Chiquita or wherever, they would be green as fuck. You know, just real green. So they would put these bananas in a, um, in a room by themselves. And they would separate the bananas like, oh, we'll make these organic and we'll make these non-organic. And the non-organic ones, they tried to age them faster. So it was a hot room and there was some kind of gas that would be sprayed on it. So you would get an order and you would be mixing those bananas together. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though it would be separate boxes and you're supposed to put a bag over the box, over the boxes of uh, uh organic ones sometimes you would run out of them bags so you just stack them all together so that gas would still seep up or that mist what it was some mist that would be sitting on those bananas would you know just seep on to those uh, other bananas so i mean you really can't trust that organic shit you really can't like you can't trust organic at all because just from my experience you know with the bananas at the warehouses at the warehouse i worked at and then with this story i mean it's just hard to believe like and the fda is just a fucking joke like you look at all these fucking pills that get cast out and you know pushed out to the public and it's just like oh do you have an earache you know take this pill you know four times a day and get violent bloody diarrhea and it's just like you know what i think i'm gonna keep my earache you know what i'm saying or it's just like oh you got eczema Oh, take this cream, and it is linked to heart attacks. And you're like, wait, what? Like, man, I just got dry skin. Well, you know, hey, it helps. You know, so the FDA is just a fucking joke. In, in and out. And they really needs to be revamped. Nobody really studies that. I know um, 
former first, first lady Michelle Obama. You know, she wanted the, the kids to eat healthier and things of that sort. And, uh, you know, she was doing all sorts of different programs to get kids to eat healthier and things of that sort. But it's hard to eat healthier when you don't know what the fuck to trust. It just makes you want to, you know, uh, you know, map out a, you know, a fucking 10 by 10 area in your backyard and start growing your own fruits and veggies, which I'm definitely going to start doing next spring. So I got a whole area in my backyard that I need to, uh, you know, clean out and you know, get, get cleaned up and get it ready, you know, get that soil ready so I can be ready to plant, you know, in the, you know, around once the weather breaks, you know, once to that end of March, early April. So that's what I'm going to try to be on. But it's just scary just how you see uh, so many um, places and companies that try to advertise organic foods and then you're just like, oh, well, they got all these chemicals in it. It's like with um, that shit that Pepsi owns. Um, what it, the smoothies? I forgot naked juice or whatever. Uh, those naked smoothies, and it says like non-GMO, and then it was actually discovered that they were having GMO products or whatever using a genetic, you know, genetically modified, you know, organics, uh, on, you know, different chemicals and shit like that. But then they fought it. Pepsi fought it and got the stamp put back on there. You just like, oh, what the fuck are you doing? You know, and they try to justify this by saying, oh, it's just small trace amounts of this uh, carcinogen or this poison or whatever, just to keep bugs off the crops and things like that. And you're just like, man, we're digesting this shit. And no wonder, you know, everybody and their mama out here got cancer. It's just, it's just, it's, it's in the fucking food. So just be careful out there. And uh, keep exercising, keep meditating, and start growing your own shit. All right? So let's go ahead and move on. I got some news for uh, Omaha, Black Omaha, uh, Bellevue, Millard, all the surrounding white flight areas, La Vista, Papillion, Ralston, uh, in my city, in my area, metropolitan area, Douglas County. Um, it ain't, you know, I think we've been, what, we'll be creeping up on a month of school. I don't even think it's been a month yet. And there's always there's already been a handgun issue here in the city. Well, actually at Bellevue West, so just south of us. So a 15-year-old boy brought a handgun to school and he showed it to a classmate. Uh, the classmate snitched and the cops were called. And this juvenile is facing numerous charges such as unlawful possession of a firearm at a school, unlawful possession of a firearm, and use of a weapon to commit a felony. So this little boy is about to have some shit on him, some serious charges, so his family needs to lawyer up tough. But why do we think it's okay to bring a gun to school? This is what I'm trying to figure out. When did we think it was okay to bring a handgun to school? And it's amazing to me that, you know, growing up, I grew up in the 90s, um, born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s, and I remember uh, seeing all the gang sweeps and shit like that, and uh, metal detectors and wands at different uh, urban high schools and junior high schools and shit like that. But here we are, we see that these shootings happen in these suburban areas, these white flight areas. So it's like, why aren't, these, why aren't these kids walking through metal detectors, having their book bags searched, or being required to bring in clear book bags, you know, or having the wand, the metal wand, 
go up and down on them. Like, what are we doing here? You know, you want to paint, you know, poor kids, specifically uh, poor black kids as these criminals, these thugs, these heathens, and treat them like they're less than a person. But, you know, you can't even clean up your own backyard. It's just disgusting. It's very disgusting. And um, hopefully this young man learns a lesson. And I hope it doesn't turn into a revenge type thing. You know, him taking revenge out on the classmate who snitched on him because the classmate did the right thing. You know, no, there shouldn't be a fucking gun in school at all. There shouldn't even be fucking school resource officers. You know, I've, I've, I don't even know the fucking benefit of having a fucking cop at school. Because I'm going to tell you, when I was at Central, the school resource officer there, and this was from 98 to 02, uh, all he did was flirt with the women and flirt with the seniors. That's all he did, the senior girls. That's it. Every time a fight broke out, security was breaking it up. He wasn't doing shit. You know? It's like, you're not doing a damn thing. But I digress. Let's move on. Let's end the summer jam on a lighter note. So shout out to my man Two Chains. He got married, uh, and there was pics all over of him and his rapper friends. It looked dope. It looked dope. But uh, your man Kanye West, Kanye West, showed up in a Louboutin uh, suit, which was kind of it was, it, was, it was 80s fresh. You know, no shirt underneath on some Miami Vice shit. And he showed up in a pair of Yeezy slides. So these slides are like sandals, you know, that you just slide your foot feet in. Uh, you know, that you wear to the pool or use them as house shoes. That's what I do for mine. Or, you know, fellas, y'all throw on a white tee, some basketball shorts with no draws, and, uh, you know, some socks and them slides, and you about to head on out to your booty call. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the go-to outfit, you know, after the club. You know, you uh, done got a shorty's number, and she's, you know, she's ready for the get down. You know, y'all done exchange numbers and Snapchats or whatever. And, you know, you like, oh, I'm about to go with my boys. And you like, hey, what you about to do? It's like, oh, I'm just about to go with my girls, da-da-da-da. And then, you know, you go to the after-hour spot, go to IHOP or Village Inn or some shit like that. Or to a late-night soul food joint, grab you something to eat and shoot the shit with your boys. And, you know, she done did the same thing. And y'all, you know, you at the crib, she at her crib. And, you know, you been dancing and you smell like breast smelling like Hennessy and, you know, fucking... Uh, Stuffed French toast, you know, strawberry stuffed French toast. You know, you got that cinnamon Hennessy breath, you know, that sweet cin- cinnamon Hennessy breath. That's a mouthful to say. And so, you know, you send that text like, hey, you up? And then she uh, sends that text back like, yeah. And then, or she hits you up first. You know, she hits you up with that, hey, that, <clears throat> that H-E with all them damn Y's after it. And you're like, oh, shit, I'm about to get in them drawers. So you just get down to business shit. You go ahead, go shower, throw on a clean white tee. You know, keep it 100. You know, hop in the shower, clean white tee. You throw on some uh, basketball shirt, shorts, no draws. Throw on your socks, your slides. You got your rubbers in your pocket, your keys in your wallet, and your phone in the other pocket. You out the goddamn door. You know what I'm saying? That's the outfit. That's the outfit to be wearing. Some slides, right? So you wear it at the pool, house shoes, or you about to go get some cutty. You don't wear them to a fucking wedding, Kanye West. Like, I don't care how high-end you think your clothing brand is. You can't disrespect your mans like that and be out here with some goddamn flip-flops on. 
You know what I'm saying? And they were too small. TMZ was flaming them. Like, talking about how people on Twitter uh, saw that the damn slides was too small. What are you doing? Like, are y'all that coked up, you and Kim, on that shit that you just like, you know what? I'm gonna wear these fucking slides to the wedding. I'm gonna kill them in this. Like, you had on slides and socks, bruh, at somebody's wedding. Like, this wasn't even a destination wedding. I could see if the shit was on a beach or something like that. And it's just like, oh, okay, cool. But my man, you out here in some goddamn slides. How you gonna disrespect your mans like that? Don't do that. For my fellas out there, don't move like that, alright? Now, I know Kanye is supposed to be this fashion icon and shit. Don't move like that, alright? And, you know, take it from my man, Hove. Hove, what you gotta say? Don't be the next get tested on that Summer Jam screen. I smoke rocks. I smoke rocks. All right, thank you so much, Tyrone Biggums, for that lovely intro of Selling Hope Like Dope. All right, so Selling Hope Like Dope. We have to give it to uh, the American justice system. I think we've done millions of times on this show, even though I ain't hit a million yet. Um, but anyways, there was a doctor who got arrested in Orlando at the uh, airport, and he was yelling at the officers, you know, and he said that they were treating him like a black person. And on the um, WTKR website, they had a video that was a local news affiliate down there in Florida. They interviewed him and he said he did it on purpose to show the unnecessary use of police force. And I quote, he says, if you're going to do this to a white doctor who's 59 years old for doing nothing, then why would black people trust you? I'm a conservative Republican. I'm a Trump guy. Until the police fix this problem, I don't blame black people for being upset when they get arrested. Now let me tell you something. If a right-wing MAGA head can see what's wrong with the police, use of force, and capital punishment, why can't the rest of America see it? Let me answer my own question. If the rest of the country sees it, it just doesn't give a fuck about the mistreatment of blacks. They won't care until the police state is on their doorsteps. You know, all of these white women contacting police when they see black folks doing something that is not to their liking know exactly what they are doing. They want that black person dead or harmed. We know that white supremacist members have infiltrated law enforcement, but the FBI refuses to do anything with the intel that they have. Why? Because it's as American as apple pie to mistreat black folks. You know that. But let me tell you this. Shit rolls downhill and racism, white supremacy eats its own once it's done with blacks and other non-whites. That's why everyone should champion for justice and harmony. So next time you speak about police brutality or state-sanctioned murder and somebody chimes in about Chicago or black-on-black crime or forgiveness or how tough the cop's job is, ask them, why are they deflecting? Is this what justice looks like to them? No trial or jury, just judge and executioner wearing a badge. That's pretty much all I have to say about selling hope like dope. This portion of Do Rags and Boat Shoes has been brought to you by the letter L, as in, hey yo my guy, my hands are full, give me a hand here, can you hold this L? Alright, can you hold this L? <laughs> my bad. Alright, so, moving on to holding this L. So we have to give it to two brothers, um, which is sad to say. Uh, So these two brothers, uh, Tony Jonathan Lundy, that's the first brother, 
and then Michael Hatton, that's the second brother. So you know how it would be at the barber shops, you know, people talking shit, high capping, you know, shooting the breeze, you know, uh, we argue about everything from goddamn sneakers to who looked the best, you know, actresses, you know, to, you know, just different, just all kind of different shit, you know, to, you know, to uh, community policing and just everything up under the sun. And uh, so these two brothers in uh, Suffolk, uh, Virginia, you know, Aretha just passed. May she rest in peace. These Negroes had a heated argument over the fact that if Halle Berry played or could play Aretha Franklin in a movie. Okay, now there's nothing wrong with this argument, but it got heated to the point where Michael Hatton pulled out the strap, get the strap, and let off a round inside of Tony uh, Lundy. And Tony Lundy is recovering right now in the hospital. And he's going to be okay, but both y'all got to hold this L. Going to the extent of, you know, arguing over the Queen of Soul. Now, I know it's just a tough time. She just passed and we're all emotional. But first off michael hatton the uh alleged shooter how do you let a round off over the queen of soul now i don't know what was said maybe he was very disrespectful by saying that you know uh aretha shouldn't have halle berry playing her or something like that or maybe it was on the flip side you know maybe this brother really wanted you know maybe john uh, tony jonathan lundy really wanted Halle Berry to play Aretha Franklin and Michael Hatton was like no she can't I don't know but I do know a nigga pulled out the strap over Aretha Franklin and Halle Berry playing her in a movie that's what I do know and then the reason you're like well double what the fuck's wrong with you man why you got the victim as holding this L2 well you gotta I mean could you imagine getting shot because you was arguing over if Halle Berry could play or would play or had played Aretha Franklin in a movie? Like, could you imagine telling that story to somebody? You couldn't. The only time you would tell that story is if you at a party and you're trying to impress folks and you drunk out your mind. You know, you ain't going to say that with a sober mind. Yeah, I got shot before. What'd you get shot for? Arguing about if Halle Berry could play uh, Aretha Franklin. Niggas gonna laugh you up out the spot. So, with all due respect to Aretha, you know, we love you. Black folks, we love Aretha. We all do. Um, but these two brothers, you know, Michael Hatton and Tony Jonathan Lundy are gonna have to hold this L. And shout out to Latrice for sending me this, uh, this article. Because this is just fucking funny right here. This just takes you know the barbershop argument to a whole nother level you know i'm bald-headed but i can grow out a beard so i think i might grow my beard out you know just to get edged up at the barbershop so i can talk my shit but now do i gotta bring the baby 380 with me that's that's what i'm worried about because this has been years since i've been in a step foot in the barbershop it's been quite a while i've been bald for a hot minute so i'm trying to figure out y'all let me know you know on twitter or through the email you know the show's email is it safe for me to be out in these streets 
at the barbershop talking cash shit. So let me know. But until then, Michael Hatton, Tony Lundy, hold this L. You win. Perfect. All right, so moving on to Not All Heroes Wear Capes, we have to give it to the actress Taraji P. Henson's new foundation that's aimed at mental health in the black communities. All right, so she named this uh, foundation after her late father, the Boris uh, Lawrence Henson uh, Foundation, and is geared towards blacks. Uh, besides mental health, it wants to work on reducing uh, the prison recidivism rate and increase the number of black therapists, which is huge, right? Uh, it took me, uh, man, it took me a long time to find a black therapist. I got a, a brother, and man, it took uh, it took a while to find him, too, to tell you the truth. But this brother, he actually works with... Uh, cats who just came home from jail from a long bit in jail or prison and uh you know help them to deal with that mental anguish and shit like that but he's a real thorough brother yeah see so that is huge you know because a lot of times you can go see a mental health professional but um you know a lot of times you know if it's somebody of a different race they just don't know exactly what it's like you know, being black in America and some of the, the things that you faced growing up that you kind of buried, you know, deep inside of you. So that's huge for um, Taraji's uh, foundation to do that. Um, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times with us, we keep our demons buried. You know, black folks, we keep our demons buried or, you know, we think hooting and hollering inside the church will put us on the right path. While that does make you feel better, you do need to sit down with a mental health professional and air out your problems, and you could be chemically imbalanced. You know, that could be a situation going on up top. It couldn't, you know, it could be way more than just some emotional damage that you're dealing with. Um, and there's no shame when you're speaking with a mental health professional. A lot of times, you know, you'll confide in a pastor or a deacon, and next thing you know, uh, next Sunday sermon sounds like it's geared towards you or the whole congregation, you know, knows what you're facing. And then, you know, you sure as hell can't confide in your family unless you want your whole ass family to know about your demons. And then everyone is treating you like you're either weak-minded or crazy. Um, and, you know, they give you advice like, just snap out of it. Or worse, they'll play a game of let's compare hardships and downplay what you're battling with, you know, while trying to, like, one-up you. You know, so seek therapy you know like i said i did it and it changed my whole life before i got married you know i knew i had to deal with my demons you know of like being cold and afraid to love because i felt i wasn't deserving of it unconditionally and that's some real shit right there and you know and that's because you know some of the shit i've been through as a child and you know running around in these streets um but like i said the the brother helped me work through that a lot and you know whenever i have questions and things like that you know i can you know shoot him a text and just chop it up with him at you know no cost to my insurance or to myself so that's just kind of dope right there to have that kind of relationship but you know always seek seek you know therapy and just seek help you know there's nothing wrong with that you know a lot of times there's that stigma of, oh you must be crazy then you know or some shit like that or uh, you know, he bipolar, man. I heard that nigga double, man. That nigga was suicidal for decades, you know, just some shit like that. And, you know, people start running around and start, you know, talking crazy cash shit about you. 
you know, just because you're seeking professional help, but, you know, seeking professional help makes you tougher and it makes you deal with uh, your demons and how to handle situations like that, you know, with the gossiping and, you know, trying to damage your character. So there's nothing but love and respect uh, for Taraji and her foundation. And she created this foundation, uh, you know, named it after her father because he was dealing with some issues when he came back from Vietnam you know he was dealing with uh, PTSD and some more things and so she really wanted to you know uh, create something to continue his legacy and I just commend her for that and uh, as far as the black community as a whole we really need to just stop that stigma of judging folks you know who seek mental you know who seek professional help you know for the issues that they're dealing with and we need to, you know, stop shaming those who are chemically imbalanced and who do, who might need an aid, you know, to help them, you know, uh, become a quote-unquote functioning adult in this society. So, not all heroes wear capes. A lot of them act, and a lot of them use that acting money to start up a foundation to help their own people. So, nothing but love and respect to Taraji P. Henson. All right, so moving on to health over wealth. You know what I say, without your health, you cannot enjoy your wealth. All right, so this is a, uh, another African uh, proverb from uh, the people of Somalia. It's a Somalian proverb, and it says, if you can't resolve your problems in peace, you can't solve war. And I'll say that again. If you can't resolve your problems in peace, you can't solve war. And I'm going to tell you something else. Calm the mind and you'll figure out a solution. All right. Whatever battle that you're facing, calm your mind first. You know, unclench your jaw, let your shoulders relax, inhale through the nose and let out a huge breath through your mouth. And then your solution will come to you. Whatever that you're battling internally or externally. Uh, a lot of times I need to sit and think. Uh, through pop problems that I'm facing I just have to sit you know in some quiet and I get to thinking and I open myself up to the universe um, you know I just kind of let thoughts and energies just kind of soak into me as I just kind of like breathe in through the nose exhale through the mouth and uh, you know a hundred percent of the time I'll get a great answer from the universe or something that was buried deep inside me however you want to look at it but that's just the key to opening up your mind's vault. You know, like I said, unclench your jaw, relax your shoulders, you know, breathe in through the nose, exhale through the mouth, and then your solution will come to you. Once you let go of that tension and stop carrying that around so much, you know, life becomes a lot easier and you can face anything that comes your way. So remember the words of the people of Somalia, all right? If you can't resolve your problems in peace, you can't solve war it's a great quote it's a lovely quote i was about to say quote it's a lovely quote and um as always i love y'all nothing but love and respect to everybody out there thank you for listening make sure you share it with some friends have them uh you know subscribe to the podcast on apple i'm on stitcher i'm on soundcloud um i'm on some other sites too i don't know what it, where else but uh just make sure that y'all let a friend know about what I'm doing over Chia, all right? And make sure y'all stay, stay tuned, you know, for another lesson from the G-Code, all right? One.
Welcome to the G Code. Alright, thank you so much, Tyrone Bigham. So welcome to another edition of the G Code. This one is going to be very brief and to the point. Uh, it's pretty much self-explanatory, but this code goes like this. My fellas, you're out here grinding, getting this money, doing what you do best, providing, protecting. What you need to do is go out here, you know, doing your thing. You need to take care of the women in your family and mentor the young boys in your family. I don't care if the young boys in your family already got their daddy there and you just a big uncle or a cousin, you know, an uncle or a big cousin or some shit like that. You still need to take them up under your wing, you know, show them the ropes and uh, let them know, you know, what it takes to be a man in this world and how to survive in this world and thrive in this world. And when I say take care of the women in your family, you know, just check on them, make sure they're doing okay, make sure they ain't in no fucked up situation out here in the game, because, you know, a lot of times you f- the women in your family can be prideful, especially if it's like, you know, your grandmama or an auntie or something like that, or your big cousin, you know, a big uh, female cousin. And, uh, you know, just check on them, just make sure they're good and things like that. You know how growing up, you know, your grandmama would always slip you, you know, a $10 bill or a $20 bill, you know, fold it up in her hand real tight. You know, just, you know, leave some cash on the counter for her or something like that on the table if you're going over there for Sunday dinner or something like that. And just, you know, just check on your peoples. That's that's the main thing. Just check on your peoples and uh, see how they're doing out in this life. And uh, like I said, with the young boys, you want to mentor them and just kind of, you know, show them the ropes of life and, you know, try to get them to the point where they can learn from other people's mistakes and learn from your stories, from your life. You know, just get them to be able to listen and to learn, listen and learn, you know, not hear you, but listen. You know, a lot of times they be like, I hear you, I hear you. And it's just like, no, but are you listening? That's why you got two ears and one mouth, you know, so you can listen twice as much as then you speak. So that's what it breaks down to. Because a lot of, I feel like we're living in a time where I feel like a lot of these young boys are out here all just lost in the sauce. You know, they out here running around acting like they queens, like they're Nicki Minaj and shit like that running around out here, you know, throwing windmills when they get into a fight, you know, uh, or bitching and complaining and not taking on their problems head on. Now, that's the main thing right there. You know, once they start transitioning into uh, manhood, adulthood, you know, they go into this whole complaining thing and not going into how do I fix this? You know, what's the next step? What can I do to get up out this fucked up situation that I'm in right now? You know, a lot of times these kids will be going off to college for the first time and being away from home, you know, being on their own. Or they could, you know, just be out here working, got some kind of little job, you know, as a senior in high school. And they done moved up to a little shift manager, made enough money to get their own spot. And they want to take a year off from school or just be in this game working. And they just don't know how to deal with certain things, you know what I'm saying, as far as managing money, as far as dealing with utilities and bills, things like that, dealing with the landlord, you know, dealing with rent and shit like that and how to save up. And so you just really have to give them the game and, you know, give them the game in a way 
where they could relate to, you know, not like you preaching to them, but in a conversational sense. That's what I've learned about this generation that's, you know, before me, these younger cats. I can't be out here, you know, just talking to them on like some scared straight shit. It has to be like very conversational. I have to ease them into it. It's like putting a little bit of sugar in the medicine. You know what I'm saying? So you just have to just ease into it and just kind of let. I know a lot of these little niggas is just real emotional. And that just comes from, you know, the household that they done grew up in. You know what I'm saying? Growing up around a lot of women, you know, pops and skated off somewhere mom dukes out here just working 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 and ain't in no after school program with men or you know on a basketball team football team or something like that baseball team you know dealing with a grown man and so they just out here just real emotional and just expressing themselves in all kind of fucked up ass ways and not knowing how to harness that that energy that masculine energy that testosterone so that's why i say you have to mentor the young boys in your family you know what i'm saying and like me growing up you know i had a lot of a lot of ogs around me and shit like that and uh you know that was one of the reasons that i started this whole g code thing is because uh you know me losing my uncle uh, my grandma's brother and you know he gave me a lot of game as i got older and i was transitioning into a man you know i'm like 18 19 that's when he was really you know just started giving me the game of life and just you know talking to me and just you know breaking some shit down you know what i'm saying and it just kind of helped my transition into you know manhood a lot easier because i've always been the type of person that tried to learn from other folks mistakes so i wouldn't make the mistake so it wouldn't be a situation where like oh shit they just told me that you know what i'm saying so it's just you know i keep uh, different stories from different men women you know people who gave me the game i just keep those in the back of my mind when i'm moving so i can move like a chess player instead of being out here just reacting like i'm playing checkers so that's why it's just so important to be out in these streets you know mentoring the young boys in your family that's what it is and even some neighborhood kids too you know if you got you know just some little badass little boys running around here you know just break down the game to them and just talk to them and you know just make them feel comfortable to the point where they can come to you and ask for advice and that's what it that's when you know that you really reach somebody when you can get them to the point where they can come to you for advice and that was one of the reasons that i started the podcast too and uh, always ended on a positive note with health over wealth because you know it was a lot of young men that i worked with and some of these guys would be older than me you know coming up to me asking me for advice and you know asking for some game and shit like that uh just because just of how i move and things like that and how i stay cool calm and collected under pressure and uh it's just a lot of times people like how i how i move and just how i get through life and you know on the job so it was always you know in the job when i was you know in high school um you know in college classes too just how i you know just kind of you know kind of move and groove through things so that's why i'm giving y'all all this game for free 99 but that's just what it boils down to like i said there's some badass kids in your neighborhood you don't want them going down that wrong path just give them the game um to the point like i said where they feel comfortable talking to you and uh you know asking for advice and like i said with this generation you gotta break it down in a conversational sense 
you know, you can't just be out here preaching and pointing your fingers at them like, oh man, you out here fucking up and stuff like that. You can, you have to get to that point in the conversation if they are out here fucking up, but you just got to ease them little niggas into it. That's what it breaks down to. And, you know, always take care of the women in your family. I'm not saying the women in your family weak, but, you know, just check on them, you know, make sure they doing all right. And, uh, you know, help your grandmama bring them groceries in when she, when you take her uh, grocery shopping or something like that. So, it's a quick, easy lesson. This G-Code lesson is always take care of the women in your family and mentor the young boys in your family or even the young boys, you know, on your block because they need us. There's a lot of lost souls out here. You know, don't matter the race, color, creed, you know, the young man or the little boy. You know, if they ain't got their pops out here and they ain't in no organized sports, you know, give them little kids some direction because I will tell you the truth, little boys crave discipline and direction. No matter what you think, how wild they are, they need some discipline and some direction. And when it's coming from, you know, a, a man, uh, they they really know how to fall in line. All right. So that's it. That's this lesson from the G code. All right.